with our army. To join it, you give homage. I give homage to Scotland. And if this is your army, why does it go? We didn't come here to fight for them. Oh, the English are too many. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we got Nikki Snacks with us. These two are live from Foxborough, so we're going to talk a little about training camp updates. We did a lot of that in the live stream, and we got some relevant news to talk about. We got Zach Rosenblatt coming on the show a little later, which is like just kind of puts us back into like, oh yeah, we did have the 31st offense uh, last year mood. And then we're going to do our, our players to watch for in the final preseason game justin snacks how are you guys snacks how are you uh really great honestly you know this has been a very nice trip i really appreciate it thank you manscape for doing it um just an overall great experience a lot of nice people up here in massachusetts which i'm very surprised about guess maybe i didn't wear my yankee shirt they but were too nice it was people in massachusetts are suspiciously nice way too nice and also way like it's nice. one of those things where if you start to have a conversation with somebody you they can't, don't stop and you can't get out we were trying to leave today and this guy was telling me stories from like 1960 and it went on for like 30 minutes it was unbelievable but i'm doing great how you doing i'm doing good and like i said we got we got a lot of the news to get to and we'll talk a little about your guys time there before that this episode was brought to you by john gravini that's like great grave gravina is more like it um brad van pelt who is he the brother and son of alex van pelt no this is brad van pelt is a former, a former giant, giant. Yeah. but is he is he dead i don't know if he's dead or i not. think brad van pelt died he may have died the same day ernie paladino did i always remember brad van pelt as the linebacker didn't he wear number 10 yeah, as a he was linebacker? a linebacker i think he is unfortunately deceased but is there any? Yeah, he died in 2009. Okay, so, so rest he... in peace to our newest Patreon, Brian, Brian and Joey Mooney, Justin. Who are all these people who have been dead for over 10 oh, years? Oh, jeez, yeah, they went to Patreon.com/slash/backslash/talking-giants and for two dollars a month, and some also other tiers if you want to help and support us too. But two dollars a month, you get access to watch the live shows. I mean, for example, I mean, Snacks and I, we talked with the Patreon for a couple minutes before the show. Talk maybe a couple minutes after the show, too. Um, regular season football, the next time that we will be kind of reacting to a game, not counting this Sunday, we will be live live streaming after the Giants-Pats preseason game. But then the next time after that, it's regular season football. So you want to be in those chats and not have to wait until the next morning or the next day to hear us react and talk about the Giants. And you can talk with us in the Patreon chat on YouTube. So patreon.com slash talk Giants. Thank you to our patrons for all their support. And I'm picking a t-shirt winner right after we finish this podcast. Boom. All right. Let's talk about it. We got some relevant news to get to, and I and I know I want to talk about your guys' time at camp as well a little bit too. Um, even like I would rather talk about that than our preseason guys to watch if we need to. So we will talk about that. The Giants pulled off a trade. Ryan Santoso to the Carolina Panthers for a conditional seventh round pick. And the condition is that he's active for two games. So we can assume that he will. Like they didn't they brought him in to be their starting kicker. So as long as he doesn't get injured in week one or show up to camp and totally choke, I think I think we'll get a seventh-round pick. Think about this path for the Giants for this. So the the Panthers on July 30th, 2020, cut Graham Gano. Cut Graham Gano. He had injuries before that. Giants signed him 20, 19 days, 20 days later. 
has an gr- amazing year, balls out. But the Giants have Ryan Santoso on their practice squad all year because of the COVID rules last year, where you needed like three days uh, to go through the screening process to get through COVID and get on the roster. So if a Giants kicker were to get COVID on a Friday, they wouldn't be able to sign a kicker in time for the game. They'd be kicker. So Ryan Santoso stays on the whole, whole year. Balls out in camp. Like he's been having a great camp. And now the team that cut Graham Gano is now, again, suffering because of Graham Gano. They were, they're trading a seventh-round pick for him. And now we have 11, 11, 11 draft picks next year. I am pumped at this trade. I, I know it's just a seventh-rounder, but it's just to your backup kicker, your camp-body kicker to get a draft pick makes me feel really happy. Uh, everything comes full circle. That's what they do say, Snacks. I do think it's a conditional pick, so Santoso does need to play two games. I don't exactly know the Panthers' uh, uh, depth chart situation at kicker. Um, but hopefully he goes out there, he plays two games, and then boom, the Giants get that 11th pick and another 7th rounder. And yeah, I mean, the main difference between the 2020 draft and the 20, uh, or excuse me, the 2021 draft and the 2020 draft was that 2020 had 10 picks, and even though you had a couple misses in there with Chris Williamson and TJ Brunson as of right now, you had hits in the 7th round with Carter Coughlin. You had hits in there with Tay Crowder. You know, uh, yeah, you had a special teams player in the sixth round that you took in Cam Brown, but it wasn't that big of a deal because he had guys in the latter end of the draft, like Shane Lemieux, fifth round. We don't want to call him a hit, but you know, guys that are kind of contributing and they're here versus this past year. You only had six picks. You had one pick in the sixth round and Gary Brightwell, you had to spend it on special teams. So I like that they have all these lottery tickets and the more lottery tickets you kind of build up, the more likely you are to hit on them. And the fact that they were able to tear in their camp body, um, and Ryan Santoso into a possible seventh-round pick. Hopefully, he plays two games. Uh, sorry, but real quick, you guys took exactly what I was going to say. There's the fact that he was probably going to get cut. To get an actual pick for it is a steal in and in itself. And Justin, like you're saying, the more lottery tickets you have, the more darts you could throw, you got a better chance of hitting. So, all in all, a win-win-win. Yeah, I mean, just... Every team use not every team, but a lot of teams just bring in a backup kicker and long snapper into practice. So, you know, so you don't wear out your special teams guys, but you also don't want to have like your you don't want you don't want to not have a long snapper and kicker working during the day. And and, and you know, someone gets hurt, you have someone there that's already with your team, and you kind of got a good feel for. It. And again, turning that into a draft pick is beautiful. And and for all the points Justin made, it's like, hey, I'll do seventh round picks. New usually end up turning into anything no but we had four in 2020 and two of them did and one was the first seventh rounder in carter coffin so okay that's the guy they thought the best was but there was two guys who they thought were better than tay crowder and chris williamson and tj brunson i didn't but they did and tay crowder but tay crowder ends up being the guy so it you know the draft especially in the seventh round is a little more random so it's just good to get that now i mean think about here's the draft picks they have two firsts one from the bears a second Two-thirds, one from the Dolphins and the Aziz Ojolari pick. That's five draft picks on the first two days of the draft. So it's not like in, you know, they had four, they had 10 picks in 2020, but four of those were in the seventh round. Two fourth rounders. So now you have seven picks in the first four rounds. One, another one from the Bears, a fifth, a sixth, and now the two sevenths. And I know the talking point has been trading up and stuff. That's not why they traded up. That's not why they made these picks, because if they're trading up for a quarterback, Dave Gettleman is not making the pick. Um, and I'm a big believer of you. Dave Gelman gets the credit for the good moves and the bad moves. Like I'm not playing the, Oh, did judge judge do this move? Or did John Mara tell him to do this move? Dave Gelman, I give him the credit for this. Obviously he works with Joe judge, but Gettleman does get the credit for this. Um, 
Now, this pick doesn't have any effect on that, though. Like, I've seen some people say that. Seventh rounders are not used in trade-ups, really. Like, you might, like you can trade up into the sixth rounder with a seventh round pick, but, like, a seventh rounder's not making the difference of you going up. Like, if you're trying to trade up in the first or second round, a seventh rounder doesn't make any type of difference. No, and the only reason why we're really talking about this, really, you know, I, I think, you know, we're acting like seventh round picks or, you know, uh, but really the only reason why we're talking about this is because we traded a kicker that we were going to cut and now we got an extra draft pick. That's really the only reason why we're talking about it. Not to diminish it, it's a good move, but you know, that's really the only reason why I guess we're It's really it's the up. position, right? It's a yeah. kicker. He's going to be he's going to be cut and to get literally anything, a peanut butter je- peanut butter and jelly sandwich for him would be fine. Yeah. The fact that they got a pick back for him is even better. Yeah. So, brilliant move. Yeah, it's a guy that was going to get cut that you get a draft pick for. It's like the easiest, it's the smart, it's the easiest move to make. Like you don't need to be a genius. The fact that they pulled it off with this guy and Ryan Santoso, good for him. And I will be rooting for him except for when he plays the Giants. Um, other news, Adari Jackson, ankle injury. Now they say it's minor. What did you guys see? Like, like walk me through the Adore Jackson injury. All right, I'll walk through. Um, so, Dory Jackson and Darnay Holmes kind of get t- tied up with, uh, who was the Patriots? Right? Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers. They got tied up on a play. Jacoby Myers made a nice catch. And Myers and Dory Jackson kind of both come up lipping a little bit. But Jackson initially looks like he grabs his, his shin. We, that's what we thought. We said immediately his shin. His shin. He something grabbed his wrong shin. With shin. Yeah. But, you know, like maybe like shin to shin or something like that, but but then eventually it comes out, you know, that it was that it was an ankle, and eventually he takes off his shoe. He kind of makes his way to the back of the end zone. He tries to get up, goes down, tries to get up, then he goes back down. Trainers come over. Eventually, Dave Gettleman was even on top of him for a couple minutes, which got me like, oh boy, you know, when the G when the GM's yeah. just coming over to to see if a player's all right. That didn't make me feel good, but he got up and eventually he walked from literally the back of the end zone. Um, where there's a decent amount of space in between the back of the end zone um, from where the kind of the, the practice field ends. And they walked all the way back to the Giants sideline and the Giants bench. And he walked gingerly. He was limping a little bit. He wasn't limping heavily, didn't need to be carried off the field or carted off the field. So the fact that we saw him walking somewhat well with a little bit of a limp with the shoe off, that made us feel pretty good. So I guess we weren't that shocked to hear that, hey, this injury may not be that bad right and and i know we talked about it a little bit yesterday so the fact that he was just walking gingerly and not like an aggressive limp or something a high ankle sprain there's there's a chance you may not be able to walk 70 yards yeah, around right the away. field right away and he did that so it was very encouraging to see and then obviously you know the reports come out the carts coming out that was 35 minutes after and bobby you said it perfectly yesterday Swelling starts then. You don't want to walk on a swollen up ankle like that. So yeah. I think it was more precautionary, things like that. So I guess the fear originally, I was more feared about the shin, to be honest, because because I, I've seen people crack their shin bone and yeah. you, you're done. So the fact that it's a mild ankle sprain, I think we got lucky. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and even look, like I, when we talked yesterday, I was like, I, I didn't really panic at Adora Jackson. I, I thought with the the Isaac Yadam trade, they were bit with this. Now I'm not going to go into this. I put I you know I have a lot of talking points as far as cornerback death because it became a uh, became a talking point because the Adora Jackson issue happened. But I will say I feel a lot worse about it than I did before the injury because I mean the Giants, in my opinion, traded their best outside cornerback backup in Isaac Yadam for Josh Jackson. Is Josh Jackson practicing? I know you guys took a picture of him, but like if he's not on the roster, like that looks like a really bad trade. 
because I mean the guys that are on the outside, Keon Crossan is a bad cornerback. He's a special teams player. People mentioned Julian Love. Julian Love played two games at outside corner. He wasn't good in either one of them. And they don't even have him practicing at outside corner at all. And Rodarius Williams is a six-round rookie. I think he's he's had a pretty decent camp from what we've heard. But you just look at him compared to Isaac Yadam in that Jets preseason game. Yadam was clearly better, and they picked on Rodarius. So um, if jo- jo- like Josh Jackson, basically what I'm saying is uh, some people are saying they'll be shocked if he makes the team. I'll be shocked if he doesn't make the team because it was a trade. It was a player for player, same age, same position. You know, and basically, so here's what that may come down to. And you know, Dan Duggan, who we really appreciate his input, you know, he did put out into the Twitterverse. He said that he's expecting Jackson to get cut. It wasn't one of those things where he thinks it may happen. He said, "I'm expecting it." So hopefully, I'm really rooting for that not to happen. So I'm in the same boat as you, Bobby, because especially. Let's look at you know who was on the field the last two days in Patriots camp. You know that's why we're that's why we're here. That's why we're here. What we saw in Patriots camp, Rodarius Williams is the clear cut like number three outside cornerback. The clear cut right now, number three outside cornerback behind Bradbury and Adoree Jackson. Now, who's to say that if he if somebody goes down week one, God forbid, who's to say that they don't bring in Madre Harper? I, I I don't know. But Rodarius, that's not a good thing to say. No, it's you know? no, it's not because. But ultimately, they may feel hesitant to put out a six-round rookie, which I would not blame them if they were hesitant to. They should be hesitant. But the guy that has been getting those reps over and over and over again, who has seen the field the most in the preseason, we see that with their own eyes, and then even in Patriots camp, it has been Rodarius Williams, and then even Sam Beal. It was Sam Beal who actually had somewhat of a decent day um, for Thursday's practice. So. Um, <laughs> I don't exactly know how this depth chart's going to shake out. Josh Jackson was not on the field Wednesday. He was on the field Thursday, number 27. So a num- an- another uh, guy that can be CB2, CB3, who wears number 27 for us. How do you like that? And um, hate you hate it because they should retire. should have been retired for Brandon, Brandon Jacobs, Jacobs years right. ago. But there you go. Anyway. Um, he was out on the field to start some individual drills and team drills on Thursday, but then he just mysteriously disappeared, and we did not see him for 85% of the rest of the practices and team drills. So it's just this is a very bizarre situation, and there doesn't seem to be a clear answer why he's not fitting. Because also, Bobby, let's let's if we are in this bizarre world where Josh Jackson is cut, we turned Isaac Adam and a six-round draft pick in next year's draft for Keon Crossan. That's that's what we. That's brutal. That's what happened. That that's would be brutal. the end. Yeah, that's a really bad loss. That's a that's a like that's a that goes into like top five worst trades of Dave Gettleman. By like, far, tenure, by really. far. And you brought his name up, a guy that we've all thought was fait accompli to be cut in Sam Beal, who had a nice day today, and he if he has a good game Sunday, listen, that, he's yeah. got he's got a path to being on the team still, yeah. which you asked. Any Bob, you asked Bobby, you asked Justin, you asked me a week ago, two weeks ago. We just said, yeah, no. He's literally just get. He's in practice, sweating, sweating his butt off, collecting his paycheck, and that's it. He would never be on the team. Now he kind of has a path. So if he plays well, there's an opportunity. I'm rooting for it because we did use a third round pick on him. I know compensatory and whatnot, but that we took yeah, we a did. third round yep. pick away from us. That's third round pick. He had talent coming out. Obviously, he had the injury issues. But if he can kind of step up, then maybe that's maybe that's a thing. Maybe that's the avenue onto the roster. So there you go. Um, I'm very nervous about the cornerback depth. I will say that. The but second, it's, it's still a wait and see, though. It's still a wait and it's see. Absolutely, see. absolutely. But we did know that Adore, we shouldn't be nervous about it. That's Bobby, what's uh, that's what's pissing me off. Bobby, like, Bobby, Bobby, you're talking to the wrong person. I'm nervous about everything. Yeah, that's true. 
So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, never, I'm nervous true. about everything. But um, no. but that's what. I'm, but bothering me is now that I am because, and here's some. And again, I will save any type of anger for 53 man cut down day if, if that were to happen. But also, like, there's been the talking point has come out like, oh, they were going to cut Isaac Yadam anyways. That is PR. That is the Giants trying to maybe get out ahead of stuff. Like, I don't believe that for one second that they planned on cutting Isaac Yadam. That makes zero sense. They didn't play They never played Madre Harper over him. Julian Love, they haven't practiced at outside corner at all. Keon Crossan, like, if, like, I, I question their judgment if they had Keon Crossan over Isaac Yadam. Um, now again, he was the worst starter on a bad defense, but he, I viewed him as good depth. Um, so I, I will be bothered by that. It hasn't happened though. So again, it could be people trying to save their own takes. I don't know. So, but I'm, I'm not going to overreact in, until it happens, but if it happens, I, I will be bothered. Yeah. By that. They kind of went into the off season thinking Yidam was going to be their, their cornerback too, well, I mean, because yeah. Adoree, or Dory Jackson was a late, late free agent signing. Like if he they always, don't if they don't sign a Dory, Isaac Adam is your starting it's, corner. That's what I'm saying, right? So they must have had at least a little confidence in him or the, the fact that they can make it work, which, you know, he was not I'm not saying he was good last year, he was not. But he wasn't an abomination. He didn't lose us any games. Yeah. So All right, Bobby. I mean, we you you know everything that we saw and every note that we have. So where do you want to go to next? Um to I want actually, no, hold on. I want um to talk about snacks reading the ad. There you go. You ready? You can edit this, right? Of course I'm ready. Intro. Oh. Don't read. Don't read intro. Leave all this in. Don't you dare. Julian, leave it in. The NFL is back. All right, don't yell. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for one week. I'm sorry. I'm going to start this over because I already read it wrong. The NFL is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for week one. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard that right. DraftKings is giving all new players 200 Hundred dollars in free bets instantly when you place a bet of one dollar or more on any week one game. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with the same game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code JOHNBOY to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code JOHNBOY to get free $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in NJ, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. I just did that whole last part without having to read that. All right. Um, the Giants, when they cut down to 80, they waived uh, Cole Hikatini and Monte Hardage on injury waivers. Uh, they cut long snapper Carson Tinker and then they put Rice and John and Quincy Wilson on IR 
technically their season's over, but also it's not because they can be waived on injury settlements and then come back later in the year. Anyways, I just wanted to put that news out there. All right, so you guys have been at camp. Kyle Rudolph came back. I know you guys have talked about Andrew Thomas going. Like, what has been your biggest takeaways from being there the last two days? So, really, I mean, this is just the first point, maybe just overall. It was really, really cool to see the Giants coaching staff engage with the players. And, you know, the setup at Quest Diagnostics is a little difficult because they have the fence and they have that big awning, which prevents you from the sun, which would have been kind of nice. It would have been beautiful. But the fact that we were so close at Foxborough was really, really cool. And the Giants were on our sideline. So I felt bad for the Patriots fans that were there trying to yeah, see their favorite yeah, team because they're on the opposite sideline. But, but it was, they, they've had it all year. But so it was, it was really cool for the Giants um, to to be right there and have all the players kind of right there in our faces. And really, you heard everything. You heard Joe Judge or Joe Judge yelling, and it wasn't really like wasn't really like angry. I didn't really think he like eviscerated people. But just he, Tom, just Tom Quinn and um Thomas McGay and Thomas McGay today. Tom, that's it. Tom T Mac T Mac T Mac. He was not happy. He with snapped. Something. He snapped at his special teams coordinator. He was yep. something. He was something. He was not happy with something special teams today. But the every single coach on this staff and Rob Sale was very very vocal. Um, Jerome Henderson is very very vocal. All these guys, how they interacted, and you know coached up these players and coached up these guys. Even the assistant offensive line coach, Bobby, what's his name? Ben Wilkerson? Ben Wilkerson. Yeah, Ben Wilkerson. He was getting in Matt Parrott's face today because Matt Parrott did not have a very good practice today. Even though it's like I look at Matt Parrott in practice and it's like, dude, you can be good, but you just need to be more aggressive. You need to use your hands more. So Ben Wilkerson was getting in his face and he was, I think it was like merely a pep talk of like, dude, I think you have it. You just kind of have to show it. So it was just really, really cool to see from top to bottom how this coaching staff is engaging with these players and how Joe Judge is running these practices because we didn't say it last year. And I think FanFest was a very piss-poor excuse for a practice. It was a glorified walkthrough. And these were legit practices where the intensity, the energy, it was there. The Giants brought it. Yeah, they looked a little sloppy day one. They picked it up day two. But the intensity was there. The energy was there. And Joe, (laughs) Joe Judge is... Awesome. He's the Messiah. I call, I've call. i been calling him the Messiah since after I heard his introductory press conference, and that was what I was going to be, what I was going to say. Being able to see, and literally, we're like right there. So we got to hear so much of what was going on. Yeah. And the fact that Rob Sale is just ripping into his players, like hustle. Get to the F- line. Get to the line. Yeah. F-bomb after F-bomb. And they're going at it. They're going at it. Um, the defensive backs coach. Jerome Henderson. Jerome Henderson. He, unbel- like, everybody was just so unbelievable and very intense, like you were saying. It was very cool to see. The only two coaches that were not intense are the two coordinators. Jason Garrett and Patrick Interesting. They, they didn't, they, they barely moved. Jason Garrett, literally, when it was 11 on 11, he would stand there. Just stand but there Garrett's the whole time. Vo- Garrett's vocal, though. He's not now. He's not intense because that's just not who he is. But you, I heard Garrett. So I, I heard him once or twice. But he's, he, you know, I'm him gonna, and I'm gonna refrain Jones, my language. They must have some rapport because him and Daniel Jones are extremely close. They have to be, and yeah. we've heard about that. But just seeing how they, it really does seem like they genuinely enjoy each other's yeah. company. So I don't know um, why Daniel would like him with the route <laughs> concepts and everything and. <laughs> Being a redhead and, and whatnot. Oh, how you doing? Yeah. But you know, it's it's it, it does seem like a good rapport they have, which is good. And um, Joe Judge can find and Patrick Graham all the time. There was on, like three instances when the Giants were on defense and Patrick Graham's on the sideline and Judge is obviously like in the background or whatnot. He'll see something. He goes, Pat, Pat, come here. And you see them talking and 
like waving arms. It was it was very very a cool scene. So shake and bake is a very real thing. I'm scrapping our players to watch uh, segment. By the way, let's talk about camp. How do you feel about the offense? Because right now they're literally missing all of their additions. They're missing Kenny Galladay, Saquon Barkley, Kadarius Tony, Kyle Rudolph practiced the one day, um, and then get you you replaced Kevin Zeitler with Kenny Wiggins. So like obviously like the like the personnel's not better. But do you feel worried like, okay, the scheme hasn't gotten much better either because they're not really going to hide a ton in these practices because they're they're not playing the Patriots this year. You know, they're, there's really nothing for them. You know, they're not going to go crazy, but they they shouldn't be worried about hiding a ton of stuff. Like Bill Belichick's not going to sabotage the Giants. How do you feel about the offense after these two days? Yeah, um, I'm glad you asked that because day one was very much situational stuff. It was third downs, it was two-minute drill, and it was red zone. So day one, they did specific situations. We want to see players doing X, Y, Z. Okay, so you know it wasn't really just a full-on scrimmage. Day two, starters played every single snap. Mike Lennon did not take a single snap. So all the people that are be like, oh, Daniel Jones wants the yeah, long neck. He does have a long neck. The memes are correct. Um, all the people that are like, oh, Daniel Jones needs to take snaps. Who does he think he is? Blah, blah, blah. Every single snap that happened today in or Thursday's practice in New England, Daniel Jones took. Um, so what I was looking out for post day one was what are Jason Garrett's route concepts? Because if they are going to just have more of a legit scrimmage and not do this two minute stuff, red zone stuff, third down stuff, what are we seeing schematically? Because we are hearing good things about Daniel Jones, and we hear bad things about Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones had a bad day day one. So it's like, all right, is it Jones or is it Garrett? Is Garrett doing anything different? We're at a point, Bobby, and this is what I'm gonna say to really everybody. We're at a point, at least in my opinion, I'm not a football savant. We're at a point where let's start to pick it up a little bit. Like, you know, I'm sick and tired of kind of hearing, oh, the Giants are hiding this. The Giants are hiding that. They don't want to show this. They don't want to show that. You know, we're at a point where, you know, we're playing football in a couple weeks here. Let's let's if let's not hide things. Let's let's actually practice what we're going to do. Practice how you play, right? I like to think that that phrase is actually a legitimate phrase. And I'm sick and tired of hearing all the everybody giving excuses about everything that the Giants are doing, including mostly on the offensive side of the ball, that it's just like, oh, you know, they're hiding this. They're they're not ready for this. They're getting ready for that. Okay. So, so much of what Jason Garrett did last year, it mirrored what I saw, was receivers catching the ball, and it just does not allow for yards after the catch. Every single time a receiver catches the ball, their back is to the end zone. And when your back is to the end zone, that involves you turning around, getting your momentum back, and going forward. And in the NFL, it's not like college, where the NFL, you catch a ball, you're going to have another body on top of you right away. So unless it's a vertical route down the field, there is no momentum in this Jason Garrett offense for our wide receivers. There really isn't. Dante Pettis had a really, really good play today. It was a 40, 50-yard, nice vertical throw streak on the left sideline. It was the biggest play of the day. It was the biggest play of of the final two days that the Giants had. And it was awesome. And it was on like a third and long. And that's when the Giants offense really started to pick up on day two after a bad start. But everything else is just nothing is allowing the Giants to get any momentum going in terms of their wide receivers when they catch the ball. Everything is going out of bounds to the sideline where their backs are turned from the, from the end zone. And that's not a training camp problem. That's a 2020 Giants problem. So I'm not saying that they're just bad in camp, bad in camp. We should be concerned about the Giants' offense because they were bad last year, not just because they're bad in camp. But they're showing the same things, and they're 
Jason Garrett's play calling the same way. At least today, where it was a legit scrimmage, right. where it was a legit scrimmage, we saw the same problems that we saw last year. Even though the offense did look better, I do want to contextualize that. But I'm still worried. Yeah, so I, I agree with pretty much everything you just said. Um, and if this offense was run 30 years ago, they may be the best offense in, in the NFL. Yeah. But, but um, no, it's... It's Saquon. It, it, well, it's... Now, it, it also is important to note, too, I think they did this on purpose. Both teams did this on purpose. There was barely any running the ball the last two yes. days. No, they, all they did was throw it. Yeah. So yeah, between, the, the D-backs knew, the linebackers Mac, knew. Mac they, Jones. Yes, and, yes, Mac Jones threw 40 passes yesterday. Cam Newton had a 20-play drive. He threw every single play. So, I, in fairness, the defense definitely knew passes were coming and whatnot. But that's all well and good. However... It's not hard to decipher when you're watching right there what the routes are and what the what the combos are. Like there's no imagination. There's there's nothing that's going on that you're like, okay, wow, that's good. I like that. Outside of the Barkley play, we, we like the angle. That's that's the Madden cheat yeah, code. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Barkley. I know. I know. Well, we're, I'm I'm just saying. But it, there was nothing that really enlisted confidence in in me going forward. And it's more of the same thing. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I tried to talk you off the bridge before. Because like Bobby said, there are no weapons. Maybe they do open it up when they have Kenny Galladay, a true, legit outside number one wide receiver that's going to go down the field and grab anything that's thrown his way. A Kadarius Tony, who's a nice gadget player that you could scheme things around. A Barkley, healthy. So I will see, but I, I will also agree with Justin that it was it was tough to watch. It was. Well, he, here's the thing, is that if the defense has a bad day, you know, like you mentioned, like Blake Martinez, like had some bad. Like if the defense has a bad day, they've earned the right for you to not be worried. Like they've been good in games. Like I like Blake Martinez. You could say he had the worst day ever. He missed twenty tackles. I don't care because I've seen him play game after game after game and be good. If James Bradbury gets burnt over the top three times in a row, I'm not worried at all. But the offense has to prove that they're better. Like Jason, they they had they went they dropped from the 19th ranked offense to the 31st ranked offense, and the biggest difference. Was not having was the the offensive play caller change. So Garrett, who has proven and to be stubborn to, to not change, has to prove to change. Now, will it be better with Kenny Galladay, Kyle Rudolph, Tony, and Saquon? Absolutely. Like I'm, there's no way they're the 31st ranked offense unless they have serious injuries. There's no way. But so they they will be a better offense than last year. But I think this point of camp where they're not going to be hiding anything. In practice, the preseason games they will like they're not going to show a ton in the preseason games. But you also like like you know the Vikings aren't going to stop running outside zone in the preseason. Like you, a preseason, you do see a little bit of the type of offense you're going to be because you you know like Justin said, you practice like you play, and you should be worried about this offense. And you you talk about Matt Parrott struggling. Like Matt Parrott's a huge question mark. Like if you're not worried about Matt Parrott, you're not paying attention. So yeah, I, I am. After hearing these couple days going into the season, I am worried about the offense. You know, do I think it's going to be the thirty-first ranked offense? Absolutely not. But I, I have higher. I have there's good players on this offense, and I have higher goals than this for this team. And just the offensive line not being good isn't the reason that I'm worried about the offense. It's Jason, whatever his middle name is, Garrett. Yeah, um, Jason Bleeping Garrett. Let's Jason let's get let's give a sick I actually one. No, no, hold on, real quick. Oh, I, I I agree with. I, I think the offensive line is going to be sneaky good. Uh, that that's that's my take. I have be good run blockers. Well, for sure, yeah. But just watching and seeing Andrew Thomas completely dominate both days, 
and then Will Hernandez looked really good. Will, Will Hernandez looked good day one, and then... Uh, okay, all right, you're right, you're right. Subpar day two today. In, individual drills. Individuals, yes. Individual, hold on. Individual drills. Andrew Thomas and Will Hernandez absolutely dominated those. Andrew Thomas continued to do well. I think he allowed a sack like going around the edge today, which guys are going to allow sacks. Yes, Patriots correct. have some good edge rushers. Right. Um, but Will Hernandez looked a little bit more iffy in team drills, but still, Will Hernandez has been a guy that we've genuinely heard good things throughout the entire camp. Right, absolutely. So. And that's three-fifths of the line that I'm going into the season feeling pretty damn good about. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I am okay with that because I do think Hurt, when you, like you were saying, he puts it all together, he's going to be okay. As yeah. a right tackle, he will be fine. And, you know, the guard position, whatever. But three-fifths of the offensive line looking pretty damn good. I'll take it right now. Yeah, it's cr- it's it. crazy how Bobby's evaluation of Matt Parrott in the PPP was completely spot on because I actually saw it with my own eyes, you know, kind of like up close where Matt Parrott, he absolutely does have the athleticism, particularly in the individual drills I saw this, where those individual drills where you're one-on-one with guys, those are designed for defensive players to win. You're not exactly, you know, you're, you don't want – or you're not going to get your offensive lineman just winning those reps every single play, and it's going to be obvious. So, you know, the fact that Matt Parrott was able to keep up with some of the speedier edge rushers that the Patriots have, and there was a few reps even with Kyle Van Noy, who isn't speedy, but he certainly has a pedigree in the NFL. The fact that he was able to wash some of those guys out was good, but also I'm watching it. It's like, dude, you're 320-some pounds. You're 300 pounds. You're 300 pounds. Use your hands more aggressively and dump these dudes. Like, these guys are bending the edge, and you're keeping up with them. You're keeping up with them. You're keeping your hands on them, but put your body on them. You know, just finish your plays, finish your blocks. And, you know, that was my critique of him in the PPP. But then Bobby's like, well, that's kind of just not the player that he is. But really, if Matt Parrott is going to take a step up and if he is going to be this guy that can be a right tackle, he does need to finish some of these blocks, even in pass prom, not even just talking about run, you know, as a, as a run blocker. Yeah, Sports Manager Worldwide is the global leader in online sports business education. We teach people how to work on the business side of sports. All of our classes are taught by industry professionals. You, Your mentors have been in the game you want to work in and done the jobs you want to do. SMWW has had graduates work for all 32 NFL teams, including Patrick Hanscom, who is an area scout for the Giants. He's going to be have 11 draft picks to look at through this year. SMWW can train you to be an agent, a scout, work in the front office, work in the film with digital video editing tool XOS Thunder used by all 32 teams. Learn from people like former Tampa Bay GM Mark Dominic, football analytics gurus Aaron Schatz, um, and Mike Tanner of Football Outsiders, football player development from former NFL coach Steve Fairchild. Learn the skills and knowledge you need to work in football and at all levels and turn your dream into reality. They may not uh, be able to teach Nick Sirianni how to form a full sentence or Ron Rivera to, you know, know when to go for two and when to kick for the extra point or Mike McCarthy to not lie on a job interview about how he was overturned by analytics, but they can teach you to work in football. Apply f- free at smww.com and use the discount code giants for $50 off the course of your choice. They offer courses in football, baseball, basketball, soccer, and more. If you have always dreamed of a job working in sports, Sports Management Worldwide can help you. From sports betting to esports, sports broadcasting, maybe I could take a freaking course. They have the what you know and who you know to get into the, get you into the game you love. Let's get excited. Are you guys excited seeing Saquon Barkley out there? Because I feel like watching him, and I know I'm repeating myself in the last year a little bit, but I'm excited for Saquon Barkley seeing him out there today. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. I, real quick, I'll go. Just watching him up, up front and, you know, close, he looked absolutely fine. I, I know they're, they're bringing him along slowly and whatnot, and I understand it. 
But and I was telling you, watching him run drills with, you know, just just the quarterbacks and the the receivers and running backs, Indi- individuals, individuals, yeah. yeah. It, his speed is at a different level. It, it's an it's really crazy. And um, he had a great play during eleven on eleven. I uh, did the Texas angle route, whatever it is, Bobby. You you know it better than me. And he would have had daylight for. He could have ran two miles. So all in all, I think seeing him back out there was fantastic. And then actually getting to watch him and, you know, maybe he had some limitations. He had none. He he looked he looked great. Yeah. He looked great. Yeah. Now, Zach Rosenblatt provides a different um, perspective on the whole Saquon situation. So I'm going to say I'll, I'll save that for that part of the interview. I don't I, I don't understand that. I, you know, I disagree he, with him, too. Yeah, Any, I, I didn't get that. Anytime you look at him, you know, we looked at him today, and, you know, he wasn't going balls to the wall. No, no, And he wasn't not. getting contact. You know, of he wasn't not. getting hit. And, and, and even his, even if that was his half speed, it's still unbelievably yeah. better than everybody else. Yeah, but every time we've seen a video and every time we've even seen him just running off on the side, he's looked really, really good. When the beat reporters are allowed to take those videos at Quest Diagnostics and he's running off to the side, he looks really, really good. And, of course, he'll tell you that he feels perfect, too. But I also don't mind the Giants taking a somewhat conservative approach because because even though he yeah, he does look good, and it's really great that we can see that with our eyes, it is more important to have Saquon Barkley week 17 or week 18 than it is to have him week one. And that's been the that's been the premise and the theme of you know 2019 and 2020, obviously 2020. So be yeah, it that angle route. What makes me excited about that angle route, you know, Bobby, we've talked all offseason about using Saquon as a receiver and not just using Saquon as a dump off option, but using him as a receiver where you're getting him giving him legit routes to run and if you're talking about this boring ass Jason Garrett offense where, you know, there's just going to be nobody over the middle of the field because every, every offense, every defense knows that they're going to be running routes to the sideline or, you know, just curl routes, whatever. There's going to be nothing going over the middle of the field with any momentum. Then guess what? Put Saquon Barkley running routes over the middle of the field. So then he has one-on-one versus linebackers and safeties. He has to break one tackle and then boom, similar to like Detroit at 2019 where he got tripped up in a play. And I think that was like that same route, that same play, that same concept. So that's the idea, and that's the vision for Saquon Barkley and how he can help this offense and how he can help the passing game as well. Yeah, and it's uh, and you know at this point in the offseason, you repeat a lot of talking points, but one I one I've brought up a lot is what running back had the best receiving game for the Giants? Saquon Barkley, Week One versus Pittsburgh, and that is where even if Jason Garrett runs the same offense, there should be a lot higher expectations because a guy like Saquon Barkley, like he's going to make plays out of nothing. Um, and we, you know, we do think the offensive line as bad as they might, they could be as a pass blocking. Like I, we, I think we all feel confident as run blockers. Like yeah, I think absolutely. they've been, as long as Shane Lemieux is playing, I think they're, they, I like, I'm confident they've improved as a run blocking unit. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's good to see him out there. I'm, I'm hoping he plays week one. Um, they do play Thursday night. So maybe you limit him a little week one and play him Thursday, but I think he'll be back, man, and I'm excited to see him. Any anything else you guys want to touch on before we kick it to the interview? I mean, um, a couple injury notes too. Um, Kyle Rudolph was back. I mean, that was like the big thing that we were going to watch out for this week, along with Saquon. But hashtag Kyle Rudolph watch. Um, he was back. He was the first one out on the football field on Wednesday. He was, and he was the last one to leave the field today. That's right. Uh, hit, Thursday. So him and Jones. Yeah. Him and Jones were yep. running routes after practice he, today. He took his pads off, kept his helmet on. He was running he was running routes with Daniel Jones. It was uh pretty awesome to see. So yeah. So he uh, was out there for a few reps on Wednesday, did not take any team reps on Thursday, but he should be ready to go 
like for week one. The fact that he was that's out there big. right away, huge. I mean, that's at least what I'm expecting. Why would he be out there in full pads getting reps the first day of practice? And then I can imagine they were doing some workload stuff and maybe keeping him out there. You know, Evan Ingram didn't even take any team reps on Thursday either, so I don't know what they're doing necessarily there. I, I'm not going to react to it unless we get specific injury news about Evan Ingram, but I think they should both be ready to go for week one. And I think that might be it for in terms of injury front. And yeah, you know, I mean, the, the Galladay, it's, it's Galladay, wait, wait and see. Galladay is some, moving. He was doing some different movements. Yeah. <laughs> Galladay yeah. is moving a little yeah. bit more. He's actually moving. Yeah. Instead yeah, everyone of on the beat has acknowledged that they're kind of just babying him, which again, I'd say that in a good way, not a bad way. I, I, I completely agree. I'm glad that they are doing that because that hamstring and those two legs are very important to this team's success this year. So mm-hmm. you baby him all you want. That's a professional. He's going to know the playbook. Even if he doesn't know the playbook, Daniel Jones can say, okay, run a fly, run a post. Just do that. Go catch it. Yeah. That's fine. That's He's that good of a receiver. So baby his ass all you need to. Yeah, and a lot of people are concerned that Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay, you know, they just haven't practiced together. But also at the same time, and I those le- concerns are legit. But also at the same time, Daniel Jones has never thrown to a, to a wide receiver as good as Kenny Galladay. So I think he will automatically benefit from that. That's at least the thinking and the goal. Amen. Yeah, I'm really not worried about that at all. I mean, go back to look at Darius Slayton. He played basically zero reps in camp. Like he played that one Cincinnati game and then he was, bam, injured again, missed the first two weeks. Um, so like they didn't have, like I don't think they had any more rapport than Galladay has. And you even go look at like when Matt Stafford got injured in Detroit, like David Blau. And like Kenny Galladay is putting up big numbers with David Blow or Blau, whatever, and Chase Daniel. So, um, yeah, like I'm not worried about that. I, ba- ba- you know, just don't get re-injured. That's yeah. that's yeah. my much bigger issue. And and that's and that's why I think we're all in agreement with babying him is is fine, absolutely fine, because the the guy is is a terrific wide receiver. The, the, oh, I hate to bring him up. Odell's rookie year, he had no rapport with Eli. All of a sudden, boom. Best yeah, rookie year a wide receiver had. Yeah, so it's Miss Camp miss everything. Miss Miss Camp missed the first four games, and God is not missing the first four games. We need to keep him healthy and on the field. So I am all for this babying. And the fact that he was doing a little bit more what while it's just like stretching and stretching with the team and whatnot, I will take it. And I think he plays week one and he's good to go. Yeah, Tony's the only one I worry about missing time. Like like this missing these practices. Like Kyle Rudolph is a pro's pro. Kenny Galladay, Gall, like like we just mentioned, it's, and like I'm not worried about Saquon not practicing with the team. Saquon, Saquon, um, Tony's really the only one where it's like this is really he's missing very valuable reps. One more final note, and then I promise we're done. Because um, we didn't talk about this in the interview. Nate Solder was back this week. And well, I, I actually was- we'll talk about that at the end. There's one thing I will bring that up so we don't just finish it after, so we can do the ad the correct way. All right, then I'm done. All right. Snacks, thank you for joining the show. This is the last we're hearing from you for the entire show, so that's good. Um, thank you for going up to Foxborough and having a good time. Manscaped for, for sending us, so thank you, Snacks. Thank you, Bobby. All right, here's Zach Rosenblatt of NJ.com. Now let's welcome to the show Zach Rosenblatt from NJ.com. Um, Zach, real quick, uh, quick question. Should I jump off a bridge... After watching two days of practice live in Foxborough, Massachusetts, watching Jason Garrett's offensive scheme. I'll hang up and listen. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, I don't think there's anything I could say to Snacks to keep him from jumping off a bridge, if I'm being honest. Yeah, no, convince him to do it. Um, and, and, and <laughs> I, I will say I, enjoy, I enjoyed Snacks', uh, snacks uh, observations in his notebook. They were, they were pretty funny. 
Oh, they were genius. He's gone now, but those, oh, those he's, are already, gen- he's already on his way back to New Jersey. He left. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Those, those are genius. But we do welcome on Zach Rosenblatt of NJ.com again. Again. Zach, we're well. We're finishing. We finished off training camp last year with you, and we're we're doing our we're finishing off our interview series for training camp again with Zach. So, um, good stuff. Your your practice reports have been like what we've lived off without being able to be there. It's like every day uh, read the read the, read the Zach training camp reports. But here is the question I want to start off with. Adore Jackson, you know, sprains the ankle. It looks like he'll be all right and probably back for week one. If n- nothing too serious. But that started a, a discussion about, like, the cornerback depth. And what is going on with that? Because, I mean, you said to me, Dan Duggan said to me, like, I would be surprised if Josh Jackson made the roster, which doesn't make sense to me from the outside because – Isaac Yadon was looked at as their number one backup on the outside, and they trade him for this guy. Is it well, because of injury or what? Because I, I well, looked at him as a lock the day they traded for him. Well, I, I don't know if the Giants viewed Yadam as their number one backup on the outside. Um, I think he was going to get cut anyway. So I think they viewed it as uh, – like I, I, I think they knew that their death wasn't good anyway, and they viewed this as a flyer on a guy. Like the, Yadam – with Yadam, the death wasn't good. Without Yadam, the death isn't good. And it's something that like maybe we all should have kind of seen coming if you just look at it. I mean, they were going to rely on a rookie in the slot or Darnay and Darnay just hasn't, you know, really made a leap yet in his second year. He's had a tough training camp, I think. Um, and so like a lot of the concerns stems from, I think this, the nickel cornerback spot, I'm especially concerned about now. I think Julian Love got a bunch of reps today because Darnay had a couple penalties. Um, and yeah, I mean, if Dory or James Bradbury goes down there kind of in trouble and in, in terms of Jackson like I've even heard that I don't even know if they necessarily view him exclusively as a cornerback anyway I think they think he can play safety too so um that might add to the discussion of what you're saying but I mean the, the fact that you know again I get what you're saying because you know they they, they needed guys and Yadam played last year and at times he was okay I guess um but Jackson has played in one practice and he barely played in that one practice and he's still hurt uh, I saw him running off to the side today. I don't know when he's going to be back. I, again, I, if he doesn't play on Sunday, the only opportunity he has now is going to be in like those practices coming up, which are going to be like game week practices, uh, like see regular season practices. So there's not going to be much of an opportunity. Like they need reps for the guys that are actually playing in those in those well, practices. So. Well, going back to Yautama, I know he's gone, so I don't want to dwell on it too much. But at the time, it was like, okay, player for player, same position, same age, same contract. Okay, they they like okay, they think Josh Jackson's better. Well, I don't understand why Autumn was on the cut list because, I mean, you, like, I don't expect Rodarius to be better than him. And you look at that first preseason game, Yadam was the better corner compared to Rodarius. Um, and it's like, who's behind him? At Sam Beal? Julian Love hasn't practiced it out. Like you mentioned I would him say at my, Madre, Madre Harper and uh, Rodarius are the backups on the outside right now, I would say. That's and true. I, 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 get, I get why you're concerned. I mean, it's not ideal. And I think Rodarius has been good in practice and – he hasn't really been able to show that in games yet. I mean, you don't want to six, ideally a six round cornerback is not going to have to start any games for you, but you know, especially as a rookie too. You yeah. Know. Yeah. And that's a tough position for any rookie to play in. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, I think that's why they went out and paid Adoree so much money. Um, I think, you know, that they, they their, their safety is part of the appeal of their safety group is a few of those guys can play different spots. Um, I think they would rather play Julian Love at like safety, but I started to get the sense that if, 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 Darnick keeps playing like he has, then 
uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Julian is like the primary nickel corner to start out. And I mean, I think they really were banking on Aaron Robinson too. Um, they couldn't have predicted a core muscle injury. I think they really like that kid. I mean, they, they wouldn't have traded up for him if they didn't. Right. Uh, but now I don't, I don't know when he's going to, I would imagine he starts on the PUP list and misses at least six weeks, probably. Um, he wasn't even at, he wasn't even in New England with them. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, it's something I probably should have even thought about more their, their depth at corner. It kind of, Cause like on paper, it looks pretty good coming in, but if you just like really break it down, like there are some concerns, I mean, but that kind of goes for any team that like invests heavily in a specific position. Like the odds are the guys behind them aren't that good. You know, and I know everybody talks about Josh Jackson, but Keon Crossan was the one who was actually traded for a draft pick. Um, you know, and he's mainly a special teams guy, but Gettleman talked about how I guess he provides line of scrimmage value, which I guess that means he can play the run. Um, and Sam Beal was getting a lot of run today um, at, you know, outside corner uh, during practice during the last say that pass practice too. So is that a matter okay, of, actually, yeah, he did. He allowed a touchdown, but I mean, he, he had some nice pass deflections and he was pretty active. Him and Rodarius were pretty good. So is that a matter of them wanting to get Sam Beal some run or does that mean something for Madre Harper? Um, so how about that? That's a question is you mentioned Madre Harper. So um, maybe how would you kind of label the cornerback depth chart as of between what you see the Giants doing and how who they have running out there and then also with your eyes too and how would you kind of rank them? Yeah. Well, one thing I would say is corner is a position in particular that, you know, a lot of guys are going to get cut. Like I would imagine that's a position they claim somebody or, you know, yeah. bring in somebody interesting on the practice squad, things like that. But yeah, I would say, I mean, like I mentioned, I think Rodarius, it seems like he's the top backup on the outside right now. He goes in whenever anybody goes down. I think Madre's up there. Um, I'm trying to think who they even have back there anymore because there's everybody's hurt. Uh, Sam, I mean, Sam Beal, I think they're more just getting reps, for like trying to give him a chance to prove he deserves to stay at. I think he's more likely for the practice squad probably. And the thing is about the practice squad, these guys can still play on the, you know, they, they still are doing the same rules as last year. So they can activate two guys a week or whatever. So that's valuable too. But yeah, I mean, in Keon Crossing, I don't even know if I've really seen him play defense almost at all. So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that part's interesting. And, I mean, again, like, you know, Julian Love's been getting a lot of reps at the corner, and they're, they're going to have to get creative, and I imagine they'll try and go get somebody in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, they did it with Yadam last year, and that worked out, you know, fine for him, relatively speaking. So, but hopefully, you know, those front two guys are here for 16 games. That's certainly what Giants, are, Giants fans are hoping for right now. So, Zach, you know, you were at practice last week in Cleveland, and then you were also at practice this week in New England with myself and Snacks. We didn't actually hang out, which is a shame. But, um, you know, we were, we were at the practice and we saw, but kind of compare what you saw last week against Cleveland where, it was a struggle bus of a first day, and then they had a nice recovery the second day. And I would kind of say it was a similar premise this week where it was a struggle the first day and then somewhat of a nice recovery the second day. So kind of maybe compare, contrast, was this week better than last week, you know, in terms of how do you feel about the team and how you feel like they performed throughout the two days of joint practices each week? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's interesting. I think I don't know if, like, they're – for example, like that, their defense struggled pretty badly yesterday. I think they weren't amazing in that first Browns practice. And I, and I think somebody mentioned this. I, I, I don't know if they're going in like necessarily scheming up for the Browns or scheming up for the Patriots in practice. Like they're, they're more thinking about the future and, you know, learning their own guys and then maybe thinking about the Broncos. So then they go out and have those bad first practices. Then I think they really buckle down and you see them, you know, start, you know, really paying more attention or blah, blah, blah. So they, their second practices have definitely been better. Their defense was way better today. Mac Jones struggled against their defense. Um, 
I still think there's a lot of concerns about the offense, but a lot of it, you know, again, it just comes in like none of these guys are on the field. So it's like part of it's hard to evaluate, but on the other hand, the odds are a few of these guys aren't going to be ready for the start of the season anyway. So this is who they're going to be rolling with. And there's a lot of concerns there. I mean, I mean, at receiver, I mean, you let, they like CJ board for special teams. I don't know if he should be playing on offense and, you know, Caden Smith was the number one tight end today. He should be more of a blocker and the offensive line is a disaster right now. And so I, 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 I don't come out of these joint practices feeling great about the offense. I think the defense can be pretty good. You trust Patrick Graham and all of that. Um, and yeah, I, don't know. I mean, we, we, we probably learned a lot. I think Daniel Jones has been solid considering what's been thrown at him yet. They, they've been pretty conservative. I know in the past, you guys have asked me, like, are they going to get more creative with Jason Garrett this year? I, I don't know if I saw anything to indicate that yet. Um, but I mean, I, I mean, you were right at practice too. I mean, they were, they were doing all those short passes. I mean, they had a few, he had a deep ball to Dante Pettis that I was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the biggest play that really out of both teams, that was the biggest play out of, out of both days, which was nice to see, but really, you know, snacks asked it, you know, I, I guess as a joke to maybe start the show, but he was serious about it, but here's, so I'll get a little bit more, more nerdy with it without, you know, asking you too much about like, Oh, what exactly is Jason Garrett doing? So, what I saw these past two days with Garrett is just the same as last year. Nothing really new where, and when a wide receiver catches the ball, his back is to the end zone. It's nothing really, unless you're running a streak down the field, it's nothing really where a guy's momentum is carrying him. Or if you're using a tight end vertically too, where you saw a lot of, you know, whoever, whoever Rice and John, whoever took Rice and John's number was catching balls vertically down the field this week. And he was actually looking pretty decent. Um, So, has that been just a common trend throughout the entire camp where when wide receivers are catching a football, they're stopping they They don't have momentum moving and that prevents yards after the catch, which was a problem last year. So have you been seeing the same things this camp for Jason Garrett schematic wise? You don't want to pull too much out of it, but still I like to think that you practice how you play. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I get the idea that they're not going to show all their tricks and practices like this and stuff, but I haven't seen, it's been a pretty boring bland offense as it has been, I mean, even just to, to what you're talking like, even just like Sterling Shepard, I thought was having a great camp. And then we go to these joint practices and all the plays are thrown to him are those short, you know, yeah. out routes. And, you know, I mean, I get he's, he's a slot receiver and that's his best position, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, again, like, I mean, they can make as many excuses as they want for Garrett and Galladay's not out there. Tony, who in theory they get creative with is not out there. Saquon, but he's the offensive coordinator in his second year. Most of these guys were here last year. If you look at it across the board, um, I mean, I, I haven't seen much difference in how they're using Evan Ingram necessarily. I know that was one of the big criticism last year. Like, if you have that guy, use him the right way. Um, it'll be interesting how that looks with Kyle Rudolph when he's fully in and stuff. But, right. yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I've, I, I'm not any more confident in the offense than I was when I started training camp. And if anything, I might even be more concerned than when it started. What about Saquon? Like, do you think he's coming back week one? I know his first day was back today. I originally had thought he was going to be back week one, but with how kind of slow they're taking it and he still isn't taking any hits. And it, I think there's technically only going to be like three more practices that he can even take hits in just in terms of how they're going to play it out where they have hitting. Um, I'm less confident that he plays in week one. If he does, it would be very limited. Um, so I wouldn't like, I wouldn't plan on him making a, making a very big impact in week one, to be honest. And it's a little surprising, but I, I mean, I, they've been really taking it slow. I don't, it, it was hard to even judge how he looked today because he only got like I think eight reps total, and four and seven on seven, four and eleven on eleven, and three of the seven reps he didn't even get targeted or anything, and and he looked okay on one of the catches and maybe he could have burst up field, but yeah, it's just it's just so hard to tell 
right now and the fact that they're he still hasn't been touched and even even Joe Judge who has been like avoiding like giving specifics about what he needs to see like he was like in order to put him out there he needs to be hit because uh, the first hit can't come in a game so right um that's why I'm I'm more concerned about his ability to play in week one than I was if you had asked me like a week or two ago so I may have stood up for like 10 seconds of that answer do you think he's playing week one or no I, I'm skeptical okay Wow. Okay. So no, yes or no. You're giving us a Joe Judge answer on this. Own professional, this guy. Uh, Giving us uh, a a Joe Judge answer on that one. Um, (laughs) So let's let's move over to the back to the defense. Afedio Odenabo. He's someone like you talked with in the offseason. Had like a really good story on him. He seems to be the guy who's might have had like the worst camp from what his expectations were. Do you think he makes it in that edge room? And if he doesn't, who do you think is the one replacing him? Yeah, that's a tough one. Like, he had a couple – I think he had his two best practices of camp actually today and yesterday. He was getting some pressures. So that's positive. Um, they are playing him in a new position, uh, and they gave him a million dollars guaranteed. I don't know if Judge necessarily cares about that part of it. Um, and they haven't really played him much as a down defensive lineman, which he's been most of his career. So he's really just played outside linebacker and – he hasn't I mean, the last couple of days he has, but he hadn't gotten many like first team reps, even when guys were hurt, which, you know, started, you start to, you know, your guard goes up a little bit. If I were doing a 53 today, I might have him on it, but if he weren't going to make it, you know, I think a guy like Trent Harris is probably going to wind up making the team. Yeah. Um, I think a guy like Nico is probably pushing a Fadi. It ultimately comes down to like the numbers because it depends on how many outside linebackers they keep, how many defensive linemen they keep. You have to remember they have very limited cap space right now. I think they're at like two million if you look at over the cap. So some of these guys, I, I wonder if the salary cap factors in. Like a guy like BJ Hill, they would save like two million dollars if they cut him. I'm not sure how much they would save with Ifadi. Um, but yeah, I mean I, he's definitely a, a bubble guy. Which if you had asked me before training camp, I wouldn't have thought that. You know. Yeah, it's been interesting, and I think one thing that has going against him is he like he's had like two coverage reps last year where a guy like Trent Harris has some more ability in that. Um, and interesting to to see how that rolls. What are what are your expectations for the team? Like, how has things changed after, a, like, basically a full training camp at this point now? You know, we came in, there was expectations. Do, do you think watching them has brought them down or, brought, or kind of stayed the same? I know injuries to, like, the main guys probably yeah. hurts it a little I mean, bit. And- I mean, the injuries almost make it make me feel more or less confident in like how they're going to be able to pull. You know, they haven't got Daniel Jones hasn't gotten any reps with Kenny Galladay, like not any like legit ones since the start of camp. And that feels like ages ago. Could I use Tony? I'd be surprised if he played a role for a while. You know, that, that's a first round pick. That's your expensive wide receiver, and then your running back is still you know not going to be 100 percent when the season starts. So. You, and then you look at, you know, especially because I'm concerned with the offense and you look at the defenses they have coming, you know, the Broncos, I think they have a pretty good defense. Washington has a talented defense. Um, I mean, Atlanta, in theory, they should be able to beat Atlanta fine. But, like, um, the Saints have a good defense. Like, these are all defenses that, like, right now, is anybody confident that the Giants can go against those teams and score a bunch of points? Like, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I'm not confident in that right now. Um. Snacks, after listening to that interview by uh, Zach Rosenblatt, um, I want you to give your thoughts. There's a reason me and Zach are friends. There's also a reason why you were sitting over there this entire interview, because I think you wouldn't be able to handle that. 
No, no that was a lot. I, I started tearing up. Like it's just. I, I heard a few breaths. I'm I'm gonna be thirty in a few years, and I it's just wasting away my time. You know, year and a half, six months, whatever. But this is just very demoralizing. And he he's, he makes every good point. Like there's nothing you could really rebut, and it's it's very upsetting. And it's just you know I'm sick to my stomach. That's all. I, yeah, I mean, the offense was ranked 31st last year. They have to prove that they're not that. And when you don't have Kenny Galladay, Saquon Barkley, Kadarius, I mean, those were, and Kyle Rudolph out there. Like, those were the four additions to the offense. Was, For your was, listeners, I'm laughing at Snacks, not at you, by the way, because Snacks has his head in his hand. No, right no, no, no. Is it because I'm a clown looking guy, or is it because I'm just so. You're just so sad. sad. So you are you are genuinely sad right now. I'm I'm so sad. We were in such a good mood before this, like Zach. So so a little, little we Zach. We may all go out tonight, you know. Oh, we better. Um, even though we didn't see each other this week, we may all go out tonight, and we were happy. You know, we got Wendy's. We were th- we got Wendy's. We were thinking about putting the janky game on tonight, mm-hmm. watching some Outer Banks, and now Zach kind of just plummeted all all of our moods. I almost don't want to see him. Zach, these guys travel and they've ate. Nothing but chain food. Wendy's, like Buffalo Wild Wings, and they're like talking about Domino's. Or all they eat is chain food when they travel. <laughs> Wait, re- real quick, Bobby. It's funny. It's funny you say that, and then I will hop off so you guys can finish. But um, w- last night I-, I look up like uh, restaurants. The first thing that comes up is Buffalo Wild Wings, and I think it was like two years ago. We we met up. I-, I go, Justin, Buffalo Wild Wings, dude. He's like. Well, I mean, we're in Massachusetts. Maybe we should go try something else. And then I was like, yeah, you're probably right. And then after like two minutes, Justin goes, you know what? I want Buffalo Wild Wings. So what did we do? We went to Buffalo, we went to Buffalo Wild Wings. Incredible. Buffalo Wild Wings? Nothing wrong with that. It's absolutely delicious. And I don't, I don't trust these Massachusetts people. I don't trust these Massachusetts people either. Once you start talking to them and you have a little accent, they start spitting in your food. Trust me. They know you're Yankee and Giants fans. They'll start spitting. Thank you. Thank you, Snakes. Hey, your, your general well, manager is from the area. You should respect it. Yeah, boy, I mean, don't. we know the service people at Buffalo Wall Wings just have higher <laughs> morals than everyone else, according to Snakes. That's, that's right. Um, so I, I, this interview has been kind of a downer because we've talked about the offense and, you know, the offense hasn't proven that they're not the 31st offense, and especially without Saquon. Like, their, their additions this offseason for the offense are Saquon, Kyle Rudolph, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, and basically none of them have played. Even John Ross has barely played. Yeah, yeah. and then like Kevin Zeitler, you move him off the roster. Kenny Wiggins has been in it, which the waiver wire, like I, I would be blown away if next Wednesday at four o'clock we don't see that they sign some type of interior offensive alignments. But um, I don't know. So how do we finish this interview? Usually, it's a little, we usually finish these off on on a little higher note. Yeah, we, some, we, tell we, us something good. Like, how is it? You know, do you feel good about Patrick Graham year two now that he's skinny? <laughs> now, yeah, now that he's skinny, you know, I don't know. I mean, the the defense I still think is going to be pretty good. Um, I mean, that's like, it's hard to focus. Like all the like big names are, the, it's like hard to talk positively about them right now. I think I, could, I would say Daniel Jones has been solid. Maybe he hasn't like taken the leap that you want to see, but I think he's been, you know, good enough to win with in theory. Like if he plays like this when his players are with him, I think you can feel good about that. I think guys like Nick Gates, I don't think he's made no mistakes in camp. Beautiful. Um, Andrew but, Thomas, tell us about Andrew Thomas. I've heard he's yeah, been falling I mean, he's out. Been, he's been. I think they. I think they're really going to go with a three tackle rotation again because they, they do give him a decent amount of rest. I've noticed. Um, Nate Soldier got a bunch of reps at left tackle today. He did. Um, He's been solid. I think he's, you know, I, I mean, he's, they need him to be one of their, you know, staples, uh, as you guys know, because there's so many questions on that line. 
Um, and I would say the pass rush has surprised me quite. A, I mean, it hasn't been as good in New England as it was in Cleveland, but um, Lorenzo Carter looks good. You need to see that in the regular season because you always hear about that in training camp with him. I think O'Shane pass rush wise has looked good. Uh, I don't know if he's capable of like stopping the run and stuff like that, but um, Drill Peppers has looked great as a pass rusher. Actually, I think they're going to blitz him a lot this year. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, just Carter Coughlin. I know you guys have been big on him. Uh, I'm a big fan of his game. I think I'm very intrigued at how Patrick Graham's going to use him this year. Yeah. Uh, although I, I will say Reggie Ragland's been getting more first team reps than him, which I'm surprised about. Which but. really? So I would kind of expect that. And then Carter Coughlin's like brought in for like, yeah, you I mean, know, 30%. I, I, mean, I guess that makes like sense because Ragland's more of like a traditional inside linebacker type. But I, I just, I'm so intrigued by Carter Coughlin's like, ability to rush the passer from the inside. And if he can, he's smart enough that if he can develop in coverage, like, He's going to be a player for them. And I will say, you know, this year's draft is hard to get excited about right now just because I think technically the entire class is injured in some way right now because Rodarius Williams and Gary Brightwell both left practice. Um, Aziz has been, like, in and out of practice. Ellerson Smith and Aaron Robinson, I'm not sure they exist. Canarius Tony uh, is is doing his thing. So, that, like, that entire draft class has just – I mean, Raymond Johnson, I should say, he's looked pretty good. Boom. Undrafted rookie. My guy. I think he's looked good. I think he's legit pushing BJ Hill for a spot potentially, like if they want to save money. All um, right. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, to go back, Carter Coughlin, like, uh, oh yeah, I was going to say, I was, the point I was getting to is last year's draft, I think, is looking pretty good for the most part right now. Yeah. If you look at Tate Browder, who's hurt right now, too. Um, Chandler Mew is hurt right now, too. <laughs> Xavier, Xavier McKinney has had a good couple of days, although he keeps dropping picks and, uh, kind of gets beat on like 50-50 balls. But, yeah, I think he's been solid. <laughs> Darn ace struggling. So, I don't know. I'm trying to be positive here. Guys. Zach, I <laughs> no, no, you, you you finished this off on a good note. Now I'm happy. <laughs> Andrew Thomas is the rock. Daniel Jones is better. And then as soon as the weapons come in, everything's fixed. I'm according <laughs> okay. to Zach Rosenblatt. I see you're trying like to be positive. I, I can, like, see you're trying to be positive. And then with each positive note, you're you're laughing, and you're like, well, here's the negative thing, and, I, and I'm trying not to be. He's hurt, actually. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Well, half the roster is injured right now, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they got a couple weeks to get healthy. Looking forward to that. Zach, we're looking forward to talking to you again. Appreciate it. Where can people find you and your work? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zach Blatt, Z-A-C-K. And uh, my work is at nj.com slash giants. I just had a feature about Kyle Rudolph that came out today. All right, cool. Thanks. Now that the world's coming back and opening back up, so many new thrills are on the horizon, and whether you've been in a relationship for years, I did cause the breakup of Snacks' last relationship, or you're just getting started or excited to get back out there and meet new people, when the moment comes, you want to be ready, and you want to be Roman ready. Go to GetRoman.com slash JohnBoy now to talk to a U.S. licensed healthcare provider. The whole process, it's straightforward. It's convenient. You get to meet with a licensed medical professional all from the comfort and the privacy of your home to talk about ED, which can be an uncomfortable thing. Snacks, you're uncomfortable by it. You experience it all the time and it's uncomfortable. But with Roman, you don't even have to leave your home and you can talk to a licensed medical professional. They'll work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships you free with two-day shipping. That's kind of big. That's kind of important. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete the online visit today to contact with that U.S. licensed healthcare professional and take care of it, fellas. Go to GetRoman.com slash JumpBoy. And if you're prescribed, get 50% off your first month of ED. Make sure you're ready to have the confidence and control this summer and even this fall.
Paul's going to be a big time. Giants are going to win some games. Get ready. Roman ready. Thank you, Roman. Thank you, Roman. All right, so we were going to do our preview, but we want to talk about camp. Here's what I'll just say. I'll do my one player to preview. Nate Solder. Sure. Nate Solder, like, God. You know, I've said a long, all offseason, if Nate Solder's starting, that means Matt Pat- Parrott's a disaster. But, you know, it's we're coming along. Like, I'm excited to see what Nate Solder looks like. Like, he, we haven't, the last time we saw him, Brandon Graham made him look silly week 17, 2019. So not even, nothing even to do with Matt Parrott. I want to see what Nate Solder looks like. He's lost weight. He's battling a shoulder, you know, some type of shoulder injury, I guess, too. So, you know, the, the injury excuses continue for him. Uh, I, Nate Solder is my guy to watch in this final preseason game. And obviously Daniel Jones and all that good there stuff. Go. And all, watch for everybody. Um, we'll recap it all. We'll be back on Monday with uh, a very thorough recap. I wish they were doing the game a little early in the day, but it is what it is. Justin, any last thoughts before we kick it off for the weekend? Very quickly about Nate Solder. He actually did have a two good days of practice. During individual drills, he looked really good, really held up his own. And he was in team drills. He was at left tackle. He was taking some snaps away from Andrew Thomas. They've been doing that with Andrew Thomas all camp. So Zach Rosenblatt, I think he even mentioned that they may do some sort of three-tackle rotation thing again. That wouldn't surprise me, even though I don't know if it's something I agree with. But if Nate Solder, if he can be a guy that looks good, then, hey, look good, brother. We're rooting for you. Root for the guys in blue, um, as always. All right, we appreciate you guys. We will see you on Monday with our game recap. Enjoy your weekend. Have fun. Week zero of college football, so enjoy some college football. I'm going to I'm gonna watch one college football game, and I'm going to f- – I will tweet it out, and you guys give me players to watch for the draft. How about that? We appreciate you guys. We will see you on Monday. Until then, let's go 